0: Uh, But today we have the privilege actually of hearing from Pastor Queenie Mellie Sa'ili. Queenie Mellie, I know, she's amazing. Great, wonderful woman of God uh, who is uh, passionate about the Word. Also her uh, her, her Shane, it is her Shane, Uh, her husband Shane at the back there. uh, They have been a part of our church for years and years and they have been faithful members uh, of our church. We love you guys also. Fun fact, their son was on the drums, that is Zion. So we've got Uncle Shane on sound, um, you know, Auntie Queenie on the word, and Zion on drums. You know, those who serve together, slay together. Yes, that's the same. But I hope you're ready for the word. Why don't you give her a warm welcome as she prepares to bring the word. Well, welcome to the house of the Lord. Um, yeah, it's a, always a joy to be here and to serve and to preach the word of God. It's such a privilege. Um, we're going through a series called "Little Big Life." Uh, little big life. Um, it's a nice fancy title, but really, it's the idea that little things done con- constantly will have a big impact in your life and your journey. So, in other words, these are necessities or the must-have of Christian living. These are the core foundational principles. When you apply diligently and constantly, it's nothing but a life as described in Psalm 1, verse 3. That person is like a tree planted by the streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we can run to you whenever whenever we're in trouble. When things are happening around us, we can trust you, that you're a God that is so faithful. Today, Lord, we give you permission to speak to our hearts. You stir our hearts with the things that stir your heart and draw us closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen. So last week, we looked at one of those necessities being the word of God. And today, we're looking at one of the most untapped resources in Christian life is prayers. You see, prayers is talked about, more than anything else but practice less than anything else and I'm not going to talk to you about different prayers because there are lots of different prayers but the key objective for us today is that your heart be encouraged and that you will draw back into your prayer life with God with passion and with purpose see we all know we should pray right it's something I don't have to tell you naturally when you come to the Lord when you come to church All believers know we should pray. The sad thing about it, that most believers, they leave it to a few intercessors. But we thank God for the intercessors who continue to stand in the the gap. See, instead of praying, of making prayer as something like you do daily, like you talk, you walk, you breathe, you laugh, that's what prayer should be like. But unfortunately, sometimes prayer has become like one of that bread box on the wall, blast, a box scene that says break in case of emergency. Because it's true. So often we have associated our prayer life with risk or with crisis in our lives. It's when things are happening in our lives that we run to God and we are knocking on the door of heaven. But when things are going well, do we pray that often as we should? I don't know about you or you're probably like me. My prayer life became one of those two second prayers. In the morning when you're running to take the kids to to school or when you're eating, having your lunch, and then when you sit, lie down and put your head on the pillow and you say, thank you, Lord, for today, for your help. Bless me and my family. Somebody's laughing like me. Thank you. (laughs) Bless such and such. Bless my kids. And convict the husband. And all all the women say, amen. (laughs) where are we. see there are many definitions of prayer by many theologians but i love the definition by dr miles monroe he says prayer is a cooperative act with heaven because whatever is bound in heaven is bound or whatever is bound on earth is bound in heaven and whatever is loosened on earth is loosened in heaven. So heaven depends on earth to interfere with earth. So when you don't pray, you limit heaven. When we don't pray, we hold back the opportunities for heaven to touch earth. Therefore, prayer is, is man giving God license to interfere in planet earth. That's why the Bible says we should pray without ceasing. See, we all feel anxious. We feel anxious about our finances, especially with the cost of living going up just about every day. You know, nowadays, I used to go shopping and do a big shopping. Nowadays, I get too scared to go to back and save. (laughs) We feel anxious about our health, especially as you get older, you feel anxious about your children. You know, you're worried, are your children going to turn out right? You know, are they going to be safe in this uh, crime-ridden world? And the list goes on and on. What's your response? What's our response as devoted Christian followers of Christ? Amen, we pray. Pray about everything. Our little family is going through a little project. We're getting our house removed, getting um, uplifted and Sal is gonna go tomorrow, our last day. Tomorrow we're gonna say goodbye. And we have moved out of there and moved to um, to the workshop where Shane works. So we're all squashed on the top floor. Thank God for his provision. You know, we make it work. We just, and tomorrow is the house will be going. And Shane and Zion will be leaving for Australia. Wednesday, me and Israel will be leaving for Samoa. So we're going different directions. And you can imagine, tension was real. <laughs> And prayer became more real for me. <laughs> so our text this morning is from the book of Philippians, 4, verses 6 to 7. And it says, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication and thanksgiving, let your request be known to God. And get what happened, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding Oh God, your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. There's three main words in this verse that I want to focus on. Anxious prayer and peace. Being anxious is the problem. Prayer is the procedure that we are told to practice. And peace is the product we are promised by God. Our first point, stop worrying. Yeah, you say, yeah, probably easier said than done. I know, I know that. Paul knew that and Jesus knew that too. In his Sermon on the Mount, he talked to his disciples how to live as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. And he says, Matthew 6, 25, verse 34, bear with me, it's quite long, I will try and paraphrase. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you eat, what you drink, about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the breath of the air. They don't sow or reap or store away their food in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than them? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Why do you worry about clothes? Look at the flowers on the field. They don't labor or spin, yet I tell you, not even Solomon, the great king in his splendor, dressed like one of them. And then he goes on to say, if God clothes the cr- grass of the field, which is here today, whole way tomorrow in the, in the fire, how much more will he clothe you? Then he says, you of little faith, do not worry. But the pagans, he said, the pagans run after those things. You and I are not pagans, we know God. But they said, the pagans run after those things. But Jesus said, but I ask you, seek his kingdom, and everything else, all these things will be added. So three times, Jesus repeat, do not worry. Do not worry. Do not worry. It's just said and done, right? But he knows because worry gives way to fear. You know, you're not made to carry a heavy load. A heavy load. That's why Jesus said, take my yoke. You're not made to carry. Because the more you carry the heavy load on you, the more you're going to draw far, far away from God. So that's why Jesus said, do not worry. Do not worry. You see, when when you become anxious and you're allowing things or something other than God to guard your heart, it's sin against God. Because we're saying, no, 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 God, you're not big enough. No, no, no. You're not powerful enough to help me. I can carry this by myself. We have a loving father. Can you imagine him in pain, watching his own children, not allowing him to help us? It breaks his heart to see our ignorance and our lack of trust in him to help. See, according to the National Science Foundation, the average person has about 12,000 to 60,000 thoughts a day. That's a lot. And of those thousands of thoughts, 80% were negative, and 95% were exactly the same repetitive thoughts as the day before. So what's the conclusion we can draw from that? 97% of our worries are baseless and result from an unfounded, pessimistic perception. So we need to look at worry. We need to attack worry as a spiritual enemy. That is attacking our souls and trying, satanic lies that are trying to steal your joy from the Lord. Steal your joy and take you away because he whispers in your ear, oh, you're not good enough. Oh, you're not pretty enough. The boys don't look at you because you're not pretty enough. Or the girls don't look at you because you're not cool enough. Those are lies. So how do you fight those lies? Stop believing. Stop believing God's promises. Because God's promises or his word that comes out of his mouth are as sovereign as he is. God is sovereign. He is above all. His word is as sovereign. And he will not speak against his word. When he speaks, it becomes law. And he cannot go against that because he's already spoken his word. And his word says in 55, 10, 11, as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, it doesn't return back up without watering the earth. It's impossible. Then God says, so as my word that goes out from my mouth, it will not return to me empty. But it will accomplish and achieve the purpose for which he sends it. So instead of worrying, start believing. Get into the word. Get one of the scriptures out. When you're worrying, get that scripture and memorize it. You know, meditate on it. First Peter 7 says, Cast all your anxiety on him. Why? Because he cares. Because he cares for you. Next time you're lying in bed, you're awake. I've done that. When you're worrying, you're thinking about things, you keep waking up at night, and it's the first thing it just comes back into your head. And I want you just to close your eyes and give it to the Lord. Practice giving it to the Lord and say, Dear God, I heard your word. You said, Do not worry. But I still do, but I want to learn to trust you. So now I'm going to commit this situation into your hands. Take it. What's the result? What leads to you? What's the benefit of praying without worrying? Take pray. You pray to your Father in heaven. You see, how and what we pray depends on what you believe about God. Jesus lived a a prayer life. Often the Bible says he will withdraw from the crowd. He will go and pray for hours. Even overnight you'll be praying. When he comes out, he'll just speak a word and people are delivered. He comes out and he will just speak and somebody's healed. The disciples saw this. The impact of his prayer life. Something touched them that they came to Jesus and said, I want you to teach us how to pray. These disciples know how to pray. They've been brought up in the Jewish tradition. They know about prayer. But something special, so insightful that captivated their hearts, they see how Jesus' relationship with God was so special. He addressed God as his father. Now, this is unheard of in the Jewish religion. And when they see Jesus saying, Abba, Father, Jesus prayed as the one, as one that knows the one who he's praying to. He had a relationship with the father like father and child. The disciples could have asked him and trying to be famous and say, whoa, why don't you teach us how to walk on water? Or teach us how we can turn this water into wine? No, they say, teach us how to pray. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one goes to the Father except through me. There's a way. A way always leads to a destination. Jesus is the way, and the Father is the destination. Many Christians are on the way. They never arrived at their destination. They've never come to know God personally as Father. They live good lives, they have blessings, but they miss the real point of coming of Jesus, which is to bring you, to bring me, to bring you and you to the Father. Because when you know him as Father, your personal life, your prayer life will change. There's no perfect father in this earth. All fathers make mistakes. They have mixed motives and their actions are sometimes foolish or worse. Some of us, some people here have wounds from their earthly fathers. But you see, even those wounds are pointers to what a father ought to be. And therefore, what God really is. He disciplines his children in perfect love. Years ago, I remember it very vividly. I was single. I was naughty. I was doing things that I knew I shouldn't do. I was a Christian. I knew I shouldn't be doing those things. And the moment I did those things, I felt the guilt came on me. I couldn't look at God. I literally oh, I was like this. I couldn't look at God. But I heard this voice. I say, I love you. Nothing that I could do, you could do, will keep you away from his love. See, coming to that realization changed my approach and how I pray. Because I know there's a my I'm praying to my father, regardless of the mistakes I make. Regardless of how much I go back, one step forward and two steps back, every time I come back to him, he embraces me with love. I love the song by Chris Tomlin. Tomlin. We sing in worship. He's a good, good father. He knows what you need. So why do we need to pray if he already knows? He's sovereign, he already knows what we need. But you see, the more you pray, the less worry you become. The more you pray, it seizes your dependence on yourself. Are you depend on God? Our final point. When you pray constantly, trusting him, you get rewarded. And your reward, It's God's supernatural peace. See, verse 7 says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. See, God has established prayer as means by which we receive his supernatural help. God answers with peace. And because this peace that he gives you is divine, it's not the same as the peace that the world gives you, This peace that God gives you is divine. And that's why the Bible says it's beyond, it surpasses all our understanding. It surpasses all our reasons. You can't quite explain. Have you felt that peace in your heart? Amen. You can't explain. People say to you, how did you do that? How did you get through all that? I can't explain There is a deep living water of peace that runs through you when you bring your life to Jesus. If you're a man and a woman of prayer, you know what I'm talking about. It's a sense of rest. It's a relief that you've been before the throne of God and you have peace. John 14, 27. Jesus said, peace I live with you. My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. So do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not be afraid. Can the keys join? You see, the last phrase in verse 7, it says, This peace from God surpasses all understanding. And the last phrase is, In Christ Jesus. The peace that he promised can only be experienced Through Christ Jesus. Why? Because He pleased the Father. He was perfect. He was sinless. He lived a sinless life. He died to pay the penalty of sin, which is death. And He rose again and proved that He conquered all. And through that resurrection, we've been redeemed and made righteous. Isn't that amazing? You don't have to do anything. You just have to accept what Jesus has done is enough. The Bible talks about Abraham. It was his faith that saved him. It was his faith in God that was was credited to him. It's only by faith that you believe what Jesus has done is enough. People find that hard because we've been brought, brought up in churches that forces you or makes you, oh, if you don't do this, if you don't tithe, God won't love you. <laughs> if you don't do this, if you don't come to prayer meetings during the week, God will not listen to your prayers. It's a gracious father. He's a gracious father. He will never, ever leave you. See, to know this love of Christ and to have this peace granted to you, you must turn your life from sin to Jesus. See, the more we pray, the less worry we become. When I did this sermon, I was really challenged. I was really drawn to the love of God. And God, like something stirred in me to get back into my prayer life. I hope you've been stirred the same way I was stirred. We have a prayer and fasting week coming up for 21 days. I encourage you. If you've gone away slightly from God and your walk with him, I encourage you, get back. Use this prayer and fasting 21 days to roll back into him. Call him your father and see how he changes your perspective. Let us pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for being such a good father. We thank you that you run to us when we repent. We thank you that you don't wait when you see us crying for help. You don't wait. You run. You embrace us. We thank you for the privilege of being called the son's and daughters of the Most High. So, Lord, I just pray, as your word has gone out and you said that it will never come back to you empty. I pray, Lord, that the seed has been planted and that your Holy Spirit will grow it. That will bring glory to your name. That will bring fruition. That brings glory and praise and honor to you. We thank you, Jesus. Bless those, bless everybody in this room. In Jesus' name, amen.